0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: There was a brief moment when the product almost looked like it could be a great solution. It made sense and it appeared to be getting people to kick a really bad habit until people started dying. The headlines started to appear more and more often, and then all of a sudden, the victims became younger and younger. In fact, just last month, the youngest victim to die from vaping-related illness was just 15 years old. Thousands more are affected with lung illness. I remember reading a quote by Dr. Andrew Pipe, former chief of the Division of Prevention and Rehabilitation at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute and professor in the Faculty of Medicine Department at the University of Ottawa, in which he stated, Vaping is an issue that's screaming for attention. We're seeing a public health disaster unfolding in front of our eyes. As you can guess, the topic of the podcast today is on vaping, not just for parents or for teens, but for the public at large. And I'm honestly thrilled that this Order of Canada recipient and member of the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame is joining us today. Now, Dr. Pipe is currently involved in clinical research assessing new approaches to smoking cessation, strategies designed to facilitate exercise adaptation, and novel initiatives to prevent cardiovascular disease. He has addressed audiences in over 30 nations and is frequently consulted on issues related to tobacco use and smoking cessation, drug use in sports, and physical activity and health. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome you to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And as always, please look to their website if you're looking for more information about them at extensionmarketing.com. Dr. Pipe, it is a pleasure.
0: Well, it's a delight to be with you.
1: I'm really excited. And this has been a topic I've been wanting to tackle for quite some time. Are you surprised now, the amount of dialogue that we have around this subject?
0: Well, sadly, I'm not surprised. Uh, And I say sadly because, unfortunately, this epidemic, this crisis, is entirely predictable and also entirely preventable. Uh, And the fact that uh, uh, Health Canada and uh, others were advised of the need for thoughtful but forceful regulation of vaping devices several years ago and failed to introduce appropriate regulation um, is a cause for great concern. Uh, and so we have substandard public policy surrounding uh, the regulation of these devices. And, uh, you know, it's always intriguing to recognize that the tobacco industry and and understand that the vaping industry is now the tobacco industry in drag, uh, that the tobacco industry always manages to escape the same, the the, the kind of regulation that that thoughtful uh, citizens would think would be appropriate. I mean, you can't, you can't introduce to the marketplace a dishwashing soap if there's evidence that some of the ingredients might cause psoriasis in 0.007% of the population. It won't happen. And yet the tobacco industry kills 47,000 Canadians a year with products when used exactly as intended, and now, of course, they're seeking to addict a whole new generation of of young people in order that they can continue to make reap handsome profits uh, at, at the expense of the lives of of young people and Canadians. So it's it's kind of maddening,
1: maddening, absolutely. And you know, I think of what you have done in your career and and the steps that you had made, and it was almost like you're getting people off of the habit of smoking, and then all of a sudden, at this point in your career, you're having this fresh new battle ahead of you. I, how it must be, there's almost like a sense of devastation or frustration that, you know, you're able to get past one only to be right. Almost like brought back to zero again.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's, it's terribly frustrating. And, but I, you know, I would say, I, I would, I would ask you never again to use the word habit. When you talk about vaping or smoking, because um, that unfortunately gets in the way of our of our really under understanding and taking the appropriate action. Nicotine is the most addictive drug we have in our community. And when individuals inhale nicotine, they're intra-arterial drug users. We get very excited, understandably, about intravenous drug users. We completely forget that the moment you put something in your lungs, it instantly goes to your heart and then is distributed via the arterial circulation to every tissue and organ of the body Um, and very, very rapidly, therefore, delivered to the addiction centers of the brain. And it takes exposure to to nicotine by inhalation of about 48, 72 hours before you become addicted. Uh, And of course, the tragedy of teenage vaping is is that they become addicted very rapidly to nicotine because these devices deliver far more nicotine than do cigarettes. And they deliver nicotine in a very sophisticated way. And so the pathway of, of addiction is established in the brain. And we know from animal and human models that once an individual becomes addicted to nicotine, they're far more likely to become addicted to other drugs, should they be exposed to them later in life? So there are a whole constellation of problems that flow uh, from the unfortunate situation that we find ourselves in at the moment.
1: Well, I think for before I think before we were educated, before we started to see the headlines, you know, I remember having discussions around the you know, a dinner table at a dinner party with friends that had teenage kids, you know, and it was more like what flavor you know, did they seem to to prefer, you know, if there was a time when the kids were just saying, well, it's just, it's just flavors. There's no drugs and there's, there's nothing in it. It's just flavored. So how did it go from them? Just thinking, they were, well, they were inhaling, you know, a flavored steam over anything else.
0: Well, they were incredibly naive, understandably naive, given their age and their and and the fact that they're just learning about these things. They're also victims to all of the same kind of tactics that the tobacco industry used in the past when it was allowed to advertise tobacco products to teenagers. And so we've seen a phenomenal explosion of social media messaging oriented and and directed distinctly to to teenagers that perpetuate some of these kinds of myths. You know, oh, you know, everybody's doing it. These are the trendy sort of things. Uh, There are thousands of these flavoring agents. And by the way, we have no idea the impact of inhaling these flavoring agents on the lungs. But what evidence we have at this point is is really quite daunting. Um, So, yeah, teenagers, like teenagers everywhere, consider themselves to be immortal, omnipotent. They're never going to die. Nothing can ever happen to them. Get off my case, mom. It's just steam. It's got flavors, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, And, of course, now they've been addicted the industry is able to extract large sums of money from up from them from years to come and their ability to make independent free choices, which is also something teenagers prize has been taken away from them. So, um, the the same kind of pernicious and pervasive social marketing techniques that were used to uh, market tobacco products been applied to marketing uh, vaping devices and and interestingly you know you've seen in the last week or so the tobacco industry now come out in in with full throat and have full page ads in the citizen and the toronto globe and mail and talking about let's let's deal with facts not hypocrisy vaping is you know so much safer than and as they recognize that regulation is on its way, hopefully, uh, and so they're going to be doing everything they can to derail or diminish the impact of that regulation.
1: When we first were introduced, how long has this product been out? Like how? Well, because wasn't it originally almost like a way to be able to kick the habit of smoking? That this was almost like the, the replace the, the addiction. addiction I right. I am not going to use the word habit again. Kick the addiction. Was it not originally almost? The tool that people were using to not
0: this was I think this was this was the intent, and certainly people recognized that. Gee, if we can deliver nicotine in a way that is not that is free of the products of combustion, when you burn tobacco, you produce all kinds of combustion products, most many of which are carcinogenic. So we should be able to to allow. Or use these devices in such a way that people can get nicotine without all of these other horrible things. And we should be able to maybe be able to help them stop smoking. And I understand and also appreciate that kind of approach. And I think, What's also frustrating for me is the fact that our ability to use these devices for smoking cessation has really been taken away by the lack of regulation of these products. No responsible clinician is going to say, gee, I think here's something that we can use to help you deal with your addiction. I have no idea what's in it. There's no evidence whatsoever to, to attest to the safety of the, of, the, of the substances that have been added to this this product. I have no idea what the concentration of nicotine is. The people that sell these products for the most part don't know w- what that is. Let's give her a go, eh? I mean I mean that would be just reckless. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that if we did get meaningful regulation, the content of nicotine was regulated, the Flavors were were uh, eliminated, and, and we had pharmaceutical quality kind of products that we could we, we could then use them in a way that would help people deal with nicotine addiction. Because after all, we use nicotine replacement therapy in other forms to to help people uh, address their, their their challenges of smoking cessation. So that opportunity, unfortunately, has also been taken away by the lack of appropriate regulation. I, I had I had I have physicians say things to me like vaping is the oxycodone of smoking. And so there's such great um, antipathy uh, towards these products because, you know, doctors are parents too, and they see what's going on in the high schools and, and they see what's happening with teenagers. And they're also perhaps aware of the fact that, by and large, vaping is entirely a behavior of teenagers and young adults older adult smokers are not flocking to these devices in order to be able to stop smoking. And, and the evidence as, as to what happens when they do use these devices in an attempt to stop smoking is not great. In fact, the evidence shows that an adult smoker who who starts to use these devices with the hope that they'll stop smoking is less likely to stop smoking than if they'd embarked in this direction uh, at all. Uh, and challenging and and, and and really disturbing is, is the analysis by scientists and researchers now that say that for every adult that may quit smoking using one of these devices, about 80 teenagers will become nicotine addicts. Um, and that, that just places this whole challenge in context. And unfortunately, that reality is not necessarily, as far as I can see, appreciated by those who are in a position to introduce the appropriate policies to regulate these products.
1: So let's bring that in because you've mentioned policy a couple of times. What is what do you feel how do you think we should be moving forward then? We're already behind <laughs> by quite a bit. What what needs to be installed now?
0: Well, I think we need to to learn from our experience in dealing with the tobacco industry in the past. We knew that or pardon me, we know that no one single initiative is is ever sufficient. All of them are necessary, but never sufficient. So I I think in in the case of these products, we want to regulate the content. In other countries, the the concentration of nicotine is regulated. In Canada, it's a Wild West show. Uh, We want to regulate the, the level of nicotine. We want to eliminate the flavors unless a specific company might make a specific application to use a particular flavoring agent because it might be more attractive to smokers, a tobacco flavor, for instance. We so, want not
1: to, like a grape or watermelon no, or strawberry no, flavor. We do
0: not need bubblegum flavored uh, popcorn, uh, misty caramel. I mean, there are literally thousands of these flavors. I'm, I'm repeating myself, I know. Um, and, and they have no place there. These, these agents are generally regarded as safe G R A S. That's the term we use when we approve the use of these substances for application to the skin coconut sunscreen for instance right or when we approve their their um, their their uses of food products so coconut to eat nobody knows what on earth happens when you inhale coconut flavoring Right. So a classic example. No,
1: it's a great example.
0: Yeah. So we need to regulate the the nature of these products. We need to regulate the the marketing and the advertising of these products. We need to regulate where they're sold. We need to control the price of these products. We know that teenagers are particularly price sensitive. In terms of smoking conventional cigarettes, a 10%... Rise in the price of cigarettes produces overall about a four percent decline in adult smoking, but an 11, 12, 14 percent decline in teenage smoking. And Canada you know once led the world in reducing the rate of teenage smoking and that, that occurred as a consequence of, of appropriate pricing strategies we need also to put on a minimum price for these devices because it's a favored tactic of the tobacco companies to lower the price of their particular products in order to make them. uh, And of course, they're making so much money in these areas that they can afford to do that. Um, So yeah, we need to restrict the age at which they can be bought, where they can be bought, uh, etc, etc.
1: You know, we didn't, I, I, I remember, I remember going through the campaigns of the, the smoking and I even remember when the gas stations, because gosh, I remember, you know, go, you know, almost 40 years ago, I was by riding my bike to the store to pick up a pack of cigarettes for my mom who smoked at the time, right? Yeah, and you'd yeah. go with a letter <laughs> from my mom to the quickie or right. the Mac and you'd send them and, and, you know, off you went. And then I do remember the massive transition of when the products were hidden. Yeah. You know, we went through that they used to have the open yep. and and the shelving, and then it became closed. And I was like, "Well, that that was br- brilliant, right? If it's not always in front of you, you actually have exactly. to go ahead." So that that made an impact. But now, when you look at where they're targeting, it's also stuff that we're not seeing because we're on they're on their social media. So these sponsored ads, like everything else, is finding them with an easy click of purchase here. They don't even have to go through anything they're just clicking their phones and the next thing they know, they've got a product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the, the level of communication and the intensity of the communication that's taking place with teenagers in, in these areas is, is largely unappreciated by those of us that are old fogies, right? I mean, it, it's, it's just staggering to see the kind of messaging. And of course, the algorithms that are in play in social media are such that if a teenager is clicking on one or two YouTube videos or one or two Facebook, whatever, whatever, the next time they open Facebook or YouTube, they're going to be a Sailed with scores of these 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 kinds of messages. So yeah, there's some real real challenges. Um, and it, I, as you can imagine, I, I, having been involved in these in, in the tobacco wars of the past, um, it's astonishing to see that we 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 failed to learn. And, and in in particular, I think one of the reasons why we're in this situation is that the institutional memory that might have been present in say Health Canada has gone. Uh, and uh, I, I suppose the other the other factor that's that's been at play here is there's been um, there's been a, a fascination with and and a an understandable consideration of harm reduction, right? I.e. these are safe; these could be considered to be safer products. Let's try to switch people, and let's not put anything in the way of impeding the that might impede the access of a smoker say to these kinds of products and and so people have, have fallen sway or or been seduced by the siren song of harm reduction now i want to say i completely believe in harm reduction right i mean if if we're dealing with opioid addiction we can help by using drugs like methadone or surboxone that's a harm reduction technique but we don't sell chocolate-flavored, peanut-butter-flavored methadone in convenience stores and gas stations. We never would have allowed that to happen. And, and, and so those who are, uh, you know, very... Um, Vocal exponents of a harm reduction approach, I think have to appreciate that, yeah, we should be able to use these devices from a harm reduction perspective, but the failure to regulate the nature of these products means that our ability to use that in the professional sense or in a public, public health sense has been greatly eroded.
1: I think at this point, it's people having to take their own responsibility of educating, of speaking to their children. I know that you are—you have outreach almost every day from high school schools that are begging people to come in and to talk to the students. What have you heard from? I mean, I know from the medical side, but what have you heard from just teachers or schools of what they're seeing from their students?
0: Well, they're totally frustrated. Uh, as you say, I get um, uh, Invitations from high school principals, I hear concerns from um, parents who are just beside themselves that nobody seems to be doing anything about this. And and as you know, there are high schools where all the bathroom doors are being taken off, kids are coming home saying to parents, I can't urinate at school because if I go in the bathroom, it's just like a a fog of of vape, right? Um, USB charging devices are being removed from schools because one of the most Um, sophisticated of these devices is a product called Juul, which I would say is outside of the implantable insulin pump, the most sophisticated drug delivery device in our community because it delivers massive amounts of nicotine very, very, very rapidly and in a sophisticated fashion. And of course, the little device that's part of the Juul apparatus, you need to stick into a USB port to recharge so schools are removing those kinds of those kinds of facilities Um, but
1: it's it's almost like there's like this devil at the production side of you know the manufacturer going how can we do this i mean to do it in a usb where the kids are carrying them and they're with them at all times it's it's crazy so with parents that know that their kid has a jewel it's the highest concentration
0: Uh, Yeah, so a, a typical pod that's used in Juul contains as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. And some teenagers are going through two, three, four or five of those a day.
1: And yet they're thinking in their heads that they're not doing anything. Right.
0: And and so the mythology persists that that somehow oh these are just flavored uh, solutions. There's nothing in these solutions. I mean the, the you you ask what do I hear from from students? What do I hear from teenagers? Right. Well, for what you hear from teenagers it's oh this is natural. It's safer. It's flavors. There's nothing in here. I can stop anytime I want. Um, and so there's a there's a an perhaps understandable naivete about. About, about these products. And, and of course, they're fed a whole array of messages. And, and the messages say, this is cool. This is trendy. You can do neat tricks. You can be a flavor chaser. You can be a vapor chaser. You can blow vape in huge quantities between your teeth and make un- unbelievable patterns. There are really nifty things you can do, some tricks that you can do. There are vaping stunts. There's even now lines of vaping clothing because so that kids go into into the classroom with a hoodie and the hoodie has drawstrings but those drawstrings are hollow so the student can use the device in the classroom and then just put the tip of the drawstring in their mouth and exhale into their sleeve or into the fabric so go on online and you see that there are there's now vape wear clothing which allows you to conceal the fact that you're vaping.
1: I need to I need to inhale that information for a second right now. Yeah. That I mean, that it's... they have knowing that people are on the lookout, teachers, they have created a clothing line which allows them to hide the device and yet still inhale. Yeah. And that totally I gosh, brilliant. Whoever thought of that, you know, the jaw string, the strings of a of a hoodie.
0: Yeah. That's I mean, so kids, it's
1: it's horrible. It's horrific.
0: Kids don't even need that. I mean, they are using these devices in the classroom throughout the day and they have them in their shirt pocket or maybe in a pocket and they, they suck on the device and then they exhale into their sleeve or into their sweater. And But
1: they're addicted.
0: They're addicted.
1: You know, it's not that you have this kid that's trying to no. be mischievous. And at this point, at this point, you're talking about four or five pods.
0: Well, I mean, that would be extreme, but that's not unusual. It's not, a, it's not atypical. And, and I think those that have never been smokers or never been vapers, no, never, never been smokers, have no idea how difficult it is to stop smoking. And of course, the other thing is that if you're using a cigarette, generally a smoker of a cigarette smokes the cigarette and 25, 35, 45, 55, whatever minutes may go by before they have another cigarette. Vapors tend to be using these devices continuously. So there's no, there's no real pause in the course of a day, which is why teenagers can go through such huge quantities of, of these particular, particular pods. Uh, and and the, the other reality is that when you have, are using a cigarette, smoke goes off from the end of the cigarette, and, and so not all of the nicotine in the product, the cigarette product, eventually goes into your lungs. When you inhale on a vaping device... The vaping, the vape, only goes into your lungs, your airways when you vape, and and all of it goes into your lungs and in your airways. So, uh, you know, another way in which you can you get much more nicotine than would otherwise be the case.
1: Okay, don't mind me as I'm asking these questions because I think I'm I'm thinking of the listeners right now or the parents that are out there. They have their child that are saying it's just flavored. At no point in there are you saying that no, in any flavor. There's nicotine. Well, it, like, is, it is. Let hard. me go through so that people can then go and look in their kids. St- like, what exactly well, are they consuming? There are products that
0: are advertised as containing no nicotine. But because of no regulation of these devices, we know that some of those products that say they have no nicotine, in fact, do have nicotine. And in fact, you understand why somebody would put nicotine in there. They want to keep people addicted and maintain it. Um, and of course, because these products are unregulated, many of the folks that are selling these devices and the solutions also have no idea what's in them. They just buy them from an industrial supplier and they're told it contains this or that, but that may not in fact be, 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 the, be, the, be the case. And of course, these devices have evolved. And so we now are in what we call third and fourth generation of these devices. And the third generation devices allow individuals to fill their own tank, to make their own solutions. And to crank up the heat at which this solution is 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 uh, boiled or vaporized, um, and the moment you start to increase the concentration of various products in these solutions, and you increase the temperature at which the vapor is produced, you produce all kinds of other chemical reactions between and among the various elements that are in in this solution. So it's it you know I I use the term a wild west show, and because I think that. It, accurately conveys the fact that w- in many cases we have no idea what it is that people are are, uh, are inhaling and, and and we saw in the United States with with so many of these acute lung injury cases and deaths that um, a significant proportion of those, deaths occurred as as a result of individuals vaping marijuana, which was produced or cut with vitamin E, uh, vitamin E acetate, which is used to kind of dilute the marijuana so that the dealers can make more money with less, right? You get the picture. Um, But a significant proportion of those deaths occurred in individuals who were inhaling nicotine solutions uh, and and marijuana was not involved. So um, the fact that there's no meaningful regulation is just um, unbelievable. Uh, And we need the government to respond quickly and and, uh, thoughtfully uh, to to introduce such regulations.
1: What is that going to take? A Canadian? I mean, we've already seen deaths uh, in the United States. We see, as I mentioned in the intro, we're looking at a 15-year-old now is the youngest to, to die from this. Is it pressure from the public? Is it more pressure from the medical community? you know, I think it's all where of, are we seeing it from? Because, you know, I can think of any Hollywood movie, right? And you've got the NRA and you've got the tobacco industry and, and there's a lot of funds and power behind those too.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the things that you've identified are absolutely necessary. I think we need parents to speak out. I think that's really, really important. Um, the Um
1: Like speak all, out in general or just speak out making sure it's not happening in their own household? Speak
0: out in general and start calling upon our political leaders for for leadership in this area, and, and and asking politicians to overcome what seems to be a timidity whenever any consideration of regulating the tobacco industry is concerned. Um, I th- the, the scientific evidence continues to, to accumulate. Um, the health organizations, I'm involved with the Heart and Stroke Foundation, Canadian Medical Association, Canadian Lung Association, Canadian Cardiovascular Society, I mean, Canadian, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are all screaming. In in a very polite way, of course, but all screaming for regulation, um, and I, I think it's going to be public pressure which is going to going to be necessary to to move our our our, our minister of health now. Also, to be fair, it's important to note that provincial governments across the country are now starting to move in the absence of federal activity. So Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island are going to be banning flavors. British Columbia is raising the prices, raising the tax, reducing the nicotine concentration. But one of the worst things that could happen is that we now have a patchwork quilt of provincial legislations which which differ. So there's a need for for very um, uh, considered and very comprehensive federal regulation.
1: The one thing we're looking at is is the one outlook on it's the gateway. It's the gateway to addictive behaviors. It's the it's the gateway to you go from the nicotine to the marijuana and down the list we go. But when I look at some of the things that are actually happening, the gradual symptoms that we're starting to see: uh, difficulty breathing. We're looking at shortness of breath, uh, chest pain. Uh, there's uh, you know a couple things of vomiting and diarrhea. I mean these are physical ailments and symptoms that are starting to appear in what was normally healthy individuals.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think the, the idea that, oh, we're, you know, by switching to these devices, we're going to dramatically reduce the, the harms that come from smoking is understandable, and, uh, but it's also idealistic. And you know I, it's important to recognize that in the 1930s, lung cancer was an exceptionally rare cancer. Fast forward to the 1960s or to the present, and lung cancer is commonplace as a consequence of of the degree to which people became smoking. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death amongst Canadian women, almost entirely attributable to the fact that women were targeted by the tobacco industry 30, 40 years ago and took up smoking in large numbers. What we're seeing now in terms of vaping is the emergence of changes in lung function, lung tissue, cardiac function, cardiovascular function, just with the introduction of vaping devices, um, which indicate that the use of these products is going to cause other forms of health problems, other other types of health problems. So my colleagues in respirology, lung specialists, now talk about the fact that they're starting to see the signs in tissue samples and others of those who vape of something we call interstitial lung diseases. And I don't want to get all technical.
1: No, but I find this fascinating. So they're already seeing in the tissue a change.
0: These are nasty, nasty lung diseases. And so are we replacing lung cancer... Which is a good thing to have, you know, to eliminate lung can- rates of lung cancer. But are we tri- are we now in the process of triggering a whole new different form of lung disease, which will take twenty or thirty years to really declare itself? But the, these kinds of lung diseases are are no less lethal and no less pleasant, uh, you, you know. They produce horrible symptoms. Uh, And and so that's why we've got to be careful here in terms of ensuring the appropriate regulation of these devices.
1: And could you say young adults, teens that are consuming even what they think is just flavored pods, right? That they think there's no nicotine, there's no anything in them. The process of what they're inhaling and how the steam is affecting their lungs could. So they say they come out of this. They don't end up having addictive behavior. Of they don't pick up smoking. They don't pick up other things. But could we see 10, 15 years down the road that th- what they were doing with their lungs and how much they were inhaling could have an effect?
0: If, if they continue to vape. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I, again, not wanting to get all technical, and but we know that that when you vape, you introduce, you produce changes in vascular function. Your blood vessels no longer constrict and dilate in exactly the normal way that they should. We and, and this kind of stiffening of your blood vessels is a classic precursor or or um, classic. Uh, element that precedes the development of of significant cardiovascular disease we know that individuals who vape elements in their blood are much more likely to stick together and form clots and we know that changing vascular function increasing the likelihood of having clots these are these are the mechanism which ultimately lead to heart attack and stroke right we know that lung function is is affected in a variety of ways. Um, The immunological functions of the lung, the lungs' ability to withstand infection, the lungs' ability to clean itself, um, the the tissues of the lung, which are incredibly sensitive, unbelievably sensitive, um, they become thickened and therefore the function of the lung starts to become, become impeded and impaired. So, yeah, you know, I have have a neighbor who's who's a very practical guy and and, uh, he just shook his head one day and said, I can't believe that nobody's doing anything about this. He said, you know, I put my hand in my car door and I slam it. I'm going to get hurt. Why is it that people don't understand they put superheated steam full of chemicals into their lungs and expect nothing to happen?
1: Well, I feel like we were tricked. In a sense, I feel like even the conversations, I feel like people, it it just at the time was this kind of new fad and no one really knew. And so you you get the frustration. You get the, I think at this point, the anger. Uh, I think parents, okay, let me ask you this. How does a parent now... Let's say okay, we're hoping to not get our kids to start it in the first place. Sure. But we have parents right now of grade 10, 11, 12 yep. students who have been doing this. Yeah. So what now is what now is the what to do now? How do we help them? How do we help them realize that they they have an addictive behavior and then get them off
0: well i think first and foremost if you're not sure whether your your teenager or uh, or young uh, a youngster is because because they're, now they're the, hiding this it is, this is now in the public schools by the way i mean we talk about this this is a high school phenomenon it's now in senior public school um but so i, I think opening a conversation by saying geez i'm hearing an awful lot about vaping and kids vaping in schools and all sorts of things happening." Is, is that happening at your school And and so you you begin to engage in a conversation which can lead you to say, gee, gosh, have have you ever tried it? You wouldn't think about trying that, would you? And 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 presumably that conversation can proceed. Um, I I think I think one of the worst things that you can do is is to sort of do the I don't ever want to hear that you've been vaping because it's addictive and it's going to kill you. And it's going to, you know, because teenagers just turn off. They consider them, you know, health considerations don't mean anything to them. They consider that's don't have to worry about that. They are naive. They believe they can, I can stop whenever I want, just get off my back, mom. Right. Um, so I think, I think it is important to try to have some kind of sensitive, um, conversation, which also conveys that you understand that if they are using and are and are, uh, are using regularly, that they're addicted and that you want to try to help them deal with this addiction. I think a message that teenagers respond to is that because teenagers don't like is the ripoff message teenagers don't like being ripped off and and talking about here's an industry a big fat cat old guys that want to suck enormous quantities of money out of you for years to come and even at the present and because they got they had got you addicted they're now controlling your life your ability to do what you want to do in the next 10 15 30 minutes is controlled by them not by you and And starting to vilify the industry, industry denormalization is the term that's used in the tobacco control world, um, can be very successful. And and indeed, the the kind of the, the public health messaging around vaping and around smoking that has proven to be most successful with teenagers tends to be industry denormalization. Getting teenagers themselves mad about what's being done to them is probably important.
1: That here. they've taken away their their choice, their, their free choi- choice that they freedom, thought they had.
0: Yeah, addiction is the complete antithesis of freedom of choice. Right?
1: But that's an interesting way of changing your thought process as to how you're going to deal with your kids. Yeah, <laughs> to, vil- to vilify the tobacco industry or to have the conversation to say, "I think you're addictive. You're addicted to this." And is there okay? But as there would be with smoking, how then do you? So say you have the conversation, and your kids are like, "Yeah, mom, I've I've read the headlines. I'm starting to see that it's not so good." But they're already in this behavior. So similar to I know you've worked with thousands upon thousands of patients to get them to stop smoking. What is the? Yeah. H- how do you get great, them off great of it? Qu-
0: great question. And unfortunately, because of the rapidity of this phenomenon, if I can. There isn't a whole lot in the literature about how you help teenagers deal with addiction through vaping. I think what we want to do is to apply some of the lessons and what we know um, uh, from helping smokers. Um, It becomes more challenging because we know that among the most effective ways to help people stop smoking is to use pharmacotherapy in association with some support and strategic uh, counseling and and, and encouragement. that can become problematic because teenagers don't necessarily always take medicines when they're prescribed, and, and there's also a, there may be a reluctance on the part of parents. Jeez, uh, I do My kid's now got to take medicine to help him deal with this addiction, but I I, I think we're going to find that that's going to be be one of the paths that we're we're, we're, we're taking. So I I would have no qualms about using even forms of other forms of nicotine replacement therapy in teenagers to oh try to help them God. deal deal with with this or other medications you it's know, almost like
1: you're going i would think you're almost going backwards well you're not going
0: you backwards you know like if you
1: think they're going on you yeah, know Yeah, but
0: they're um, going to get they're going to get infinitely less nicotine than they get by okay. inhalation they're not producing stratospheric surges of nicotine in their arterial circulation it's this is nicotine that's delivered in very low amounts slowly through the venous system, absorbed through the skin or the mouth. And the whole idea is that you provide a certain background level of nicotine, which is sufficient to curb the craving and the discomfort that accompanies the withdrawal, which teenagers experience, right? I mean, they're sucking on these devices. They think it's because, oh, geez, might be nice time to... But basically their brain is saying to them, suck on the device, or I'm going to start to make you feel
1: uncomfortable. All right. So, and I... I know I understand the addiction, but the habit. So the same as they have pick up their phone a thousand times a day, right? Like that phone is, is in their hand. Yeah. It's, it's attached to them. Right. So I try to take the phone away, you know, it's like, no, you know, phone for a while. Yeah. And it's, I can sense their, like the gravitation to it. I'm assuming the same for an individual who's constantly got the device. A thousand
0: times worse. Right. Now you're you, you know, the habituation of having a phone right. is very different than addiction. And that, that's why it's so important not to use the word habit. Because a habit is something that, yeah, we it's part and parcel of a routine and 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 we feel a little bit unusual when when, when we, we're not able to do that. And addiction is when, man, in the absence of a drug in your brain, your brain starts to go haywire. And, and as a consequence, you feel very, very uncomfortable and and very unpleasant. And until you get that, right? You know, you get diarrhea, you get cold sweats, you may become nauseated, you get headaches, you get all of these sorts of things. None of those things are happening if you don't have access to your phone for an hour.
1: Okay, so that I think that's a really good wake-up call for parents to think I'm just gonna grab their phone, like if I'm just gonna take away their vape the same as I would take away the phone. It is, it is nothing. And if There's you no think, comparison it, no whatsoever comparison. to thinking that it's a similar yeah. punishment. And if you
0: think you're taking away the vape, let me let me break some news to you. Right, there are those these devices are small; they're easily concealed. They're etc. 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 So, you may think you got the vape, but um, it's quite likely that somebody who's craving and needing as a result of their addiction, this drug has got other sources and other supplies and other access. Um, You you know, what's staggering though, because your comment about we're going back to the, uh, um, reminds me that there's now good evidence that many Juul users recognizing the need to get off Juul and finding it incredibly difficult to do so are actually switching to smoking because it's easier to quit smoking than it is to
1: quit juuling. I feel like I could cry for these individuals to, to have the feeling that in order to get off the vape, yeah, I'm gonna- I mean,
0: and it's certainly not something I, I'm not even advising. I mean, no, I, but, 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 but it's, it's... It, it just allows us to understand the dimensions of the problems that we're facing. And the problems that have been unleashed as a result of the failure to regulate these products. And of course, now that the tobacco industry is behind them, uh, you know, Juul is 35% owned by the Philip Morris Tobacco Company. And, and the senior executive at Juul is a guy that was parachuted in from Philip Morris. In his whole deal, his whole reputation has been that he's the guy that knows how to ensure that no meaningful regulation of Philip Morris's products ever occur. Right, so you—I you, mean, I do not. How
1: does how does one become that kind of an individual? Well,
0: I don't know, and and you know, I I, I have a friend who's a, in, in a business school in, in a very well known business school, and I said, you know, we got to start thinking about how we can come into business schools and talk to people who are doing their MBAs and saying, how in good conscience can you ever find yourself going to work for a tobacco company, right? what did you do today, daddy? Well, you know, I increased the sale of a product, which is going to take 10 years off my customer's life um, and um, cause incredible damage and destruction and expense to our healthcare system, right? 30% of the people in our hospital beds today would not be there if they weren't formerly or currently smokers, right? And yet this is an industry that continues to to escape regulation. And and they're very tricky, right? So all of many provincial governments are suing the tobacco companies for the cost of treating their customers. What did the tobacco companies do in Canada? They declared bankruptcy.
1: I didn't know that. You talk about going into an MBA school and talking to these individuals. What are you doing right now to the medical students? What how are you having this discussion in the classroom now with Probably students who might have, <laughs> might have even tried some of this when they weren't. Well, they, may have, you know, they may
0: have tried, but but you know, it, it, one of the challenges in terms of speaking to medical students today about smoking cessation and, and tobacco related issues is that none of them have ever smoked, and and, and so. That they, next generation, we yeah, it's this, ingrained this the, in us, this, this right? Is, this is who we, this is right. where we want it to be, and so they have difficulty understanding how diff, how how complex and how challenging smoking cessation can be. Nonetheless, we, we we try to address that. But you know, when I when I talk to them about the battles that I've been involved in over my life, right? They, getting getting smoking out of. Air, Airplanes? What? You mean they used to allow people to smoke in airplanes? They can't even understand that. Smoking in bars and restaurants? I, I mean, you know, I, so I would be, 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 uh, let you in on a little secret. One of the most brutal, if that's the right term, kind of fights or battles that I was involved in was getting smoking out of the surgeon's lounge at the Heart Institute. I mean when I went to medical but school was- when I went to medical school lecturers had a piece of chalk in one hand and a cigarette in the other and we were always greatly amused when they got you know those things mixed up but but it, it, we have to remind ourselves how how uh, prominent and dominant smoking was in our society. And we looked at it as if it was normal. And when you think about it, what's normal about lighting things on fire or heating things and then sucking them
1: into your lungs? Well, it's true. I remember going through all of the process of Seeing it coming off airplanes, seeing it come out of bars, see, you know, seeing all of these changes. And you're right. Our, the younger generation never grew up being around. No. So and so it, and it, I think for a lot of people who were young, who were part of the parents who did smoke, who have all quit, it was so gross to us that it was just like, I remember she smoked in the car. I'm like, I will never do this. This is the most disgusting thing ever. So we had the reasons as to why we didn't. And, and I this think, generation doesn't have that.
0: And I think. The sentiments of parents that you've expressed are very, very powerful in terms of ensuring that we get an appropriate government response to the vaping issue because because we're that, that generation because you are we're that the parents of the kids that are doing ticked. it. You're, right. you're ticked. Right? I am. Why are my kids being exposed to this stuff? We had made so much progress, and now because of government. Um, a failure of government oversight, we got this problem. And it's time somebody did something about it. And member of parliament, I want you to make sure that your government's working to do this. I, I mean, I would very, 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 very much encourage parents to start to become far more vocal, not yelling at their kids, but yelling at the politicians that got us into this mess in the first place.
1: Yeah. The thing is, is I think a lot of people don't know, as you said, they're so concealed I've had a lot of friends, they didn't know yeah. that it was, you know, that they needed to have the conversation. Uh, I've had the conversation, right? Because I, I and I don't think Andy's going to throw me on the bus for this one, but she went to a sleepover and, you know, it took a little bit of time. But a couple weeks later, she's like, mom, I need to tell you something you know i tried she goes there was nothing in it there wasn't anything it was just a strawberry flavor but i she's like i've had this tremendous guilt and i just wanted to let you know and i'll yeah. never do it again yeah. but i didn't i didn't know you know you think you know everything that your child is doing and i'm grateful that she was honest in her couldn't hold it in but they're being concealed. People don't know that this yeah. is actually happening uh, and that they're, you know, they think that they've got their kids got a USB and that, you know, if they're naive or they're not educated about this or they're not aware, it's happening underneath their noses. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and um, y- you know, your comment about the strawberry flavor and so on. The the industry knows that what, what is most attractive to teenagers are the flavors and, and true confessions. I mean, my own teenage smoking behavior was very much driven by flavor. And there used to be products called Old Port cigarillos which were wine flavored and rum tipped and they had this delicious flavor and you know I can tell you that I got hooked on that stuff. I didn't realize it at the time that I was hooked but I mean I look back and fortunately I was an athlete and you know I kind of uh, suddenly realized Jesus this was the last thing I needed to be do in terms of, of uh, whatever. But but that fl- the whole flavor deal is exactly what makes these products so attractive
1: to teenagers. I, I want to bring in the athletic part. I mean, your background is amazing and you're working and you continue to work with elite athletes. Have you ever – have you encountered any issues or, with our athletes who might not have thought when they started to do this, they're doing – that this is happening or – the education is enough at this point.
0: Yeah, no, I haven't. Well, let me roll back the reel. I really got most at first involved in tobacco issues apart from a clinical perspective when um, we wanted to get rid of tobacco sponsorship of sport right? Because tobacco sponsorship of sport was huge. And, and those of us that were involved in sport and particularly those of us that were clinicians said, this is absurd. This is insane. And so the tobacco industry used all of its tactics, you know, They, they sponsored
1: tours. I oh, mean, like, abs- like golf, tennis, everything. Well, that's was what they said. And they yes. said,
0: listen, if, we, if you take tobacco sponsorship out of sport, there'll be no more tennis in Canada. There'll be no more curling in Canada. Spruce Meadows will disappear. How will the Canadian ski, or, 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 I mean, all of this total crud Right. Um, and anyway, that's, that's how I got involved. And then obviously it grew from there, but to come back to your question, no, no generally, um, athletes, they're, they're very well aware of, and they're so concerned about, about performance Everyone. and their own health and their own fit level of fitness. They want to accentuate fitness. They don't want to impair it.
1: I think they're, they're educated now. I read some of the stories of some of the American kids who, you know, I don't know if they were as far in, but had been athletic and had been runners and had done things. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're lying in a hospital bed. It's just, it, it's, it breaks your heart to to see some of these stories that have actually come through. So I know that we've got school boards that are putting on information nights, you've got things that are happening. So as much as the information that's coming in, it's the outcry and the public support, the public talking to politicians or to getting this aside from just speaking in their own homes yeah so absolutely
0: at- you know a, a very great german scientist biomedical scientist many many years ago made made an observation which is now legendary there are two causes of disease one is pathological the other is political uh, because the failure to introduce appropriate public policy or to have substandard public policy leads to considerable disease. Uh, And uh, to come back to your point, yeah, what's needed now is for um, parents who are concerned to express that concern um, in a straightforward, uh, sustained manner to their local member of parliament, to write letters to the Minister of Health, to ensure, and, and, you know, all of the public polling, I I saw some stuff from the Angus Reid polls of last week or so, the public is overwhelmingly on side in terms of Supporting these kinds of regulations, and and which makes the sort of the the inertia or the indifference that that is present at the government level all the more frustrating.
1: It's it's just different, you know. I remember the smoking section at high school. You had the the goths, the kids that were dressed in black, uh, and that's who you saw, you know, those who were out in the smoking section. And now you just see. Not even standing outside doing this, but in no. school bathrooms at every school across the country that that are dealing with this, and in and,
0: dressing rooms between periods in in hockey rinks, and I mean the the degree to which okay,
1: well, so let me ask you this: if if we're so, you're saying it's happening in between periods, yeah. So these kids who are playing
0: sports. Well, yeah, but you—you, you, I, sorry, I misunderstood your question about elite athletes. Right? Okay, okay, right. so,
1: yeah. Yeah, but you have kids that are playing high school oh, hockey yeah. that yeah,
0: are that uh, you know they just right there.
1: They're vaping in between. Yeah,
0: be, and again, because they they need to in the sense that now they're addicted to nicotine, and and so they're, yeah. Absolutely. You I mean,
1: must have a coach scratching their head as they walk in to go Well, the,
0: the, yeah, I do. I mean, and I hear, you know, just as I hear from irate, frustrated high school principals and, and high school student parents, I hear from individuals in community sports saying, what on earth is going on? Why are not you doing something? I mean, I, I get, it's, it's hard to me for, to convey to you the ferocity of uh, that. I, yesterday, somebody in our staff said, We've got this call from so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so who's a parent from somewhere, someplace, and she will not talk to anybody but you. She demands that we allow, that we provide, you know, you've got to, this, she has called multiple, multiple times and she wants to know what you are doing, me, uh, about this. And, and, and I can understand her frustration. So I, you know, yeah, I will be speaking with her, but um, it's, it's, it's staggering to, to see what's happening. I, it, I suppose in some ways it's encouraging that parents are getting um, as, as uh, concerned as, as, they, as, as they are. As involved as we are. Yeah. As we are.
1: Well, I, I think for the parents that I knew who were purchasing these pods at this store have stopped at least the purchase or how are the funding as to how these kids are getting the money to yep. do that. But a lot of them have jobs now. They're using their money to be able to yep. do that. So the villa how did you say it? The villainization, is that the, is that the word? Denormalization. De- the right, vic- no, but to vic- to, to vil- vilify, vilify there we go. Yeah. to vilify the industry. The industry is is to express that that industry is taking away their power, their yeah. choice. And there's one other thing we haven't even talked about. Now
0: go. Yeah. So in terms of jewel, for instance, mm-hmm. these little devices, they're electronic. And so when they're used up, you've got an electronic device containing a pesticide. Now you've got an environmental issue. And because these devices are sort of shiny and small and glittery, they're also attractive to children. So now one is hearing reports of children who are collecting these things, picking them up in the school, you know, kids as young as seven or eight. Uh, and, and so there's an environmental issue to say nothing of a risk of poisoning because kids put things in their mouths. Um, so there are, there are all there are so many dimensions to this issue that one, and this came as a revelation to me in the last three or four weeks as as. I learn more about about this kind of challenge. So, there are dimensions to this issue that.
1: Do you walk into the office that day and kind of say, "I've got enough on my plate as I'm trying to battle health policy, Health Canada, government politicians, my patients that are I'm still trying to be able to, you know, quit smoking and do all this," and then all of a sudden you get a piece of paper on your desk that says, "Hey, by the way, Doctor Pipe, we've now got this issue and kids, small kids are." are inhaled, like they're putting it in their mouth. Like, do you kind of just put your, like toss your hands up and, and like pull your hair out?
0: Well, it's, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly pull my hair out. And, and yeah, it, it uh, I use the word infuriating and, and I use that deliberately. I mean, I don't, there aren't flames coming out in my ears, but but it it is, there's a phrase from the 60s, right? That if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I always remind, you know, I always remind myself that unless you're working to kind of address this, you can't, you can't be indifferent. You can't be silent. Uh, you can't be, can't, you can't just sort of throw up your hands and say, oh God, what, you know, are, um, you know, I'm obviously my professional orientation is to the health of my patients and the health of my community. And, 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 and therefore one wants to speak out and try to be as constructive as possible in terms of addressing challenges which affect the health of my patients or my community and this is an enormous one
1: because I'm looking at the time and I have to go, I want to just give uh, parents that a one final checklist as to how they can kind of go let's have the conversation is it talking with their your family doctor is it where's where are they going to to be able to aid at least start within the family? Where What is their checklist of things, and how do they move forward?
0: Well, I think having a sensitive kind of um conversation, conversation with a teenager um and that can be a challenge in and of itself right um uh but but also emphasizing that you understand that this is addictive uh, and and that addiction can be very difficult to 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 um to address. Um, seeking some help from a family physician or a local public health unit who have smoking cessation programs and so on, uh, reaching out to, to those individuals, getting some advice, um, and being prepared to, to recognize that that treatment in a classic sense might be necessary to help individuals deal with this, this addiction. Um, at, at the same time that you're having that conversation, I think it's also important to be having conversations with others, particularly members of parliament, members of the provincial legislature, dropping a note to the Minister of Health, um, asking for the kind of regulation which we know is going to be necessary to address this issue.
1: Okay, I'm sorry to ask this, but like if you're having that conversation and you're getting as many infuriated calls from teachers and principals, and is there things or programs that can be done in the schools that, you know, that there's almost like a program for those that are dealing with it, and if there's a, a student in a class who's opting not to go... You know, and grab their vape, but that there's a that there's almost a program in place in the schools.
0: Well, that becomes a a, a very difficult challenge because I think people in the schools and educators would say, "Geez, I have enough on my plate without now starting to." basically get into clinical practice in terms of trying to help people deal with addiction but you're, you're I think well, you're,
1: they're they're taking doors off of the bed the yeah. stalls in the bathroom that's so, already that's so already all happened. they're all
0: right. they're trying to do is I mean not trying what they're what they're attempting to do is to um uh, obviously minimize the likelihood of use of these products in in the school setting and hats off to them for doing that but but your suggestion is intriguing I mean I mean it it it
1: it's it, happening most of the time. That that's where they're spending most of their day. they're yeah, there from nine yeah. until three, right? So, and
0: and and and, and I'm, you know, I, I can't point to any particular program or experience that. But I, I think examining the opportunities that might be afforded in those settings is would be would be very worthwhile. Again, our our response and our failure to be able to respond as effectively as we might is 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 due to the rapidity with which this this whole phenomenon has has fallen upon us.
1: Do you see an end? I mean, we saw it with smoking.
0: I'm always, I'm always, an op- I'm always an optimist. It can take one heck of a long time. You know, it was in 19. I think it was in 9. Uh, it, it's been something like 25 or 30 years before Canada got to the point that we have plain packaging of tobacco products. And in fact, that was an idea that was first voiced in Canada by the Canadian Medical Association. It just shows you how long it takes to get those policies in place. Meanwhile, other countries sprinted ahead, took our ideas, and if you know Australia, da 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 da, use them. And and so the leadership that we once demonstrated in Canada through Health Canada in terms of addressing the tobacco epidemic, um, it's kind of we kind of fallen down. We're we're dropping dropped down the, the league. We've dropped the ball, and 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 we're we're behind, uh, and and. That's revealed in terms of our failure to have responded to to the vaping crisis.
1: Really appreciate the time. Uh, best website. I mean, is there is there stuff at um, Ottawa Heart? Uh, is there just public health? I mean, I, I went and vaped, and you know, a thousand things came up on on Google. Yeah. But there are places, public health.
0: Yeah, public health and public health Ontario, I believe. Um, yeah, you got you got to be careful that you don't inadvertently once you uh, hit vaping, you're going to be led to all kinds of vaping sites and vapors rights organizations, uh, which are, you know, there are at least four vapors rights organizations in Canada, most of which are funded by the tobacco industry or are led by individuals who have vape shops or supply vape chemicals. And, and uh, the disinformation and the disingenuity of, of their messaging is is, um, is is in some ways sinister. Um, as as much as it's disappointing.
1: Well, I feel enlightened a little bit. I'm hoping that this has helped other parents or, uh, you know, to have that conversation and teens and even those that are, you know... The- thinking that they're doing one thing and then the realization that it's, that it's completely different. And thank you for the work that you have done The you know, the lifetime of work that you have done is really making an impact uh, on so many Canadians. So it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. And thanks to everyone uh, for listening to yet another episode of living your life with Leon Lang. As always, please, if you can subscribe, share, comment, let people know the topics that we have, the types of guests that we have on the show and really helping people make the decisions to live uh, their lives, their best lives every day. Have a great day, everyone. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online
0: classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com.
1: And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.